Welcome to Denim Wrapped Nightmares, Tipsy Exchange Podcast, where we explore the Supernatural series episode by episode. Over drinks, we'll discuss the lore, the gore, and what we adore about the Winchesters and their adventures. I'm Burley, and I'm a new fan of the series. I'm LA, and I'm here along for the ride. Now let's get tipsy. Hello, LA. Hello, Burley. Our last episode was My Bloody Valentine. In that episode, Castiel helped Sam and Dean hunt down a Cupid portrayed by guest star Lex Medlin on Valentine's Day after townspeople started to kill each other for love. However, after they discover that the Cupid is innocent, they discover that Famine, portrayed by guest star James Otis, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse has arrived in town and infected all of the townspeople. They work together as a team, for the most part, to defeat Famine. Got another ring. So I got two rings now. We're assuming we didn't see them actually get it, but we're assuming that they got it. Today's episode is titled Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. It is the 15th episode of season five, and it aired on March 25th, 2010. It starts out in a graveyard, and we see a guy coming up from his grave. His name is Clay. I don't remember his full name, but they do show it. I just didn't see it. (laughs) Then it switches to a guy. He's in his trailer watching some animal shows, and it's a very awkward angle of his crotch. It was not (laughs) too pleasant. And, his pants. Yeah. He hears his door kind of like somebody's at the door, like doing the knob. Doing the knob? Mm-hmm. Jangling the do- knob? I don't know. That's, none <laughs> of it sounds right. He goes over, opens the door. It's rainy, stormy. Nobody's there. Nothing's there. He shuts the door, goes back, sits, sits down again, grabs his beer. Uh, and then the door itself on its own flies open. He goes over. Nothing's there again. Shuts it again. But as he shuts the door... There's the guy from the grave, I'm assuming, because he's covered in mud. Covered in mud, yeah. yeah. And he starts to attack this guy. The guy grabs his gun. His gun's empty. And Clay just, like, sets himself on him. And yeah. we, we hear him die. I don't think there's any blood. No, there was a poster that says, he who dies with oh. the most toys wins. That's right. I was so. like, what's that? Whoever he is, Clay got him. Yeah. And then it switches to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and the boys are headed into a diner. They are talking to a guy named Digger, which we find out he nicknamed himself this. Mm-hmm. He's explaining that he saw Clay break into oh Benny's uh, trailer uh, through the window. Benny's the guy that we got a really good shot of his crotch yeah. for some reason. Yeah, twice. Yeah, twice. <laughs> he says he sees Clay break in through the window. Then you know we hear. Benny, well, he didn't know Benny was dead at this time, but then he sees him just, like, calmly leave, and then he finds out Benny died. You know, Clay died five years ago, but he thinks he's coming back for a little revenge because apparently Benny accidentally killed Clay while they were hunting, but uh, this digger is not buying it, and apparently Clay wasn't either. Mm -hmm. Uh, As they're sitting there, this uh, sheriff comes in, and she's on the phone clearly talking to a kid. I thought it was funny. Digger's like, oh, God. Fargo, watch out. (laughs) And she comes over, and we find out this is Sheriff Mills. She's like, what the hell are you guys sitting here talking with Digger for? 
and she doesn't really buy what they're putting out as FBI agents. So she wants to chat to their supervisor. Oh, and we did we did hear their conversation coming into the diner that they haven't been able to reach Bobby in a while. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, we know he hands her, uh, Sam hands her their little card, whoever their supervisor is. She pulls out her phone and calls him. It's Bobby, of course. But as she's, like, introducing herself, she realizes it. she's like, this is Bobby. And he is taken aback. (laughs) (laughs) And he tries to keep playing it, that he's their supervisor. And she's like, yeah, I don't think so. And she tells them that whatever they're doing needs to stop there. And they need to get out of town and just drop it. It is also important to note that they Sioux Falls, if you don't remember, is Bobby's hometown. So they're actually in Bobby's town, which is why they were like, why the fuck isn't he answering his phone? Why isn't he looking into this? Right. And why Sheriff Jody Mills immediately recognized his voice. Yeah. They head over to Bobby since they know he's alive and well and at home after answering the phone. And he's all dressed nice, clean, no hat. The house is clean. Smells like soap. Yep. <laughs> and Bobby's telling them that they don't need to worry about anything. He's already investigated the situation with Clay. There's nothing there. But he does tell us that Benny was a grade A son of a bitch. And I guess got what was coming to him. They're like a little apprehensive. And they're just like, okay, Bobby's. I mean, Bobby took care of it, the investigation. There's nothing here for us. Whatever. All right, fine. We'll go. But on their way out, they don't trust Bobby, apparently. All the way because they stop at the graveyard and go to Clay's grave and it is freshly dug. So they decide to dig it up again, of course. I mean, oh. he, he died five years ago and it's a fresh grave. Something is fishy there, you know. Right, right. So they, they dig it, go down to the casket and open it and the body is gone. Not there. So then they decide to go to Clay's and break into his house. It's, it's the middle of the night, I'm guessing. Everybody's asleep. It's dark. They're coming in. Guns up. They split, the boys split up and go different places in the house. And Clay comes and attacks Dean from behind, shoves him down. Dean gets a hold of himself and turns around and he sees that it's this guy in his boxers, I guess, basically. (laughs) And it's Clay. And he, and Dean's like clarifying, like, you're Clay. You died five years ago, right? And now you're back. And Clay's like, yeah, yeah, that's me. I thought it was funny. They identified themselves as the FBI. And Clay was even like, oh, so this is about Benny. Like, yeah, I killed Benny. Right, right. <laughs> He's not trying to hide anything. Nope. <laughs> I mean, good for him. I know. <laughs> uh, so they ask him to come with him, and Dean's like, he's a monster. And Sam's like, oh, he's just a soccer dad. You know, what are we going to do with him? But the sheriff shows up, and instead of taking Clay in, who they say just admitted to killing <laughs> Benny, she decides to arrest the boys. <laughs> and she takes them to the, the I guess, the little local jail wherever their offices are. And they see Bobby sitting there talking to her. And apparently she was not a fan of Bobby. So they think it's odd that she's sitting there chatting with him. Bobby decides to kind of fess up that five days ago, the dead started rising just in this little town that he knows of. And they go back to the house and uh, we find out that Karen's there and she's sweet as can be baking her pie. She has a pie for the boys and Bobby and tells them to sit, come in, sit down. Dean says that pie's delicious. Bobby asks her to give him a minute. She, like, leaves the room immediately when she shuts the door. They start just going in on Bobby, like, what the hell are you doing? She's dead. Bobby tells him he can't figure it out. He's done every trick that he knows of to figure out how she's here. It doesn't make any sense. And he even mentions that she was cremated, which makes it even more strange. Mm -hmm. 
he has a list that he thinks like 15 to 20 people in the town have come back. I forget what book, whatever book they look at and look into, but they think that death may be behind this. I think it was the Bible. Oh, that book. Yeah. Mm, okay. That's was- informative. <laughs> Bobby tells them that he, she doesn't remember anything from before. She doesn't remember being p- possessed or that he had to kill her. From the background, we hear her humming in the kitchen, and he says that she always hummed when she cooked, and he thought he was never going to hear it again. You could tell he's just, like, so happy. Yeah. Which is a little heartbreaking in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And Bobby, I liked Bobby was like, I mean, listen, in that book, it, it doesn't say anything about when the dead rise that they're bad. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. we, we don't really need to do anything here. Dean's like, no, like, you know what we need to do. Even if it, it was uh, the other way around, you know what you would need to do. And Bobby just, like, begs them not to. He's like, please don't. Get out. Go. So the guys leave them. And uh, Dean's not having it. He says that, it, you know, if Bobby's face is going to become a blue plate, blue plate special for Karen, he wants to be there to help him and save him. So he goes back to kind of lurk in the junkyard and watch over Bobby. And Sam goes... Where does where did Sam go? Sam starts going to kind of check on all the other the list that Bobby gave him of everybody to kind because Karen's acting normal. She's fucking cooking pies, like chilling out. So Sam is going to investigate the rest of the list to see if they're all acting normal as well. So we see him kind of go and peep in the window of Sheriff Jody Mills' house, and they're just sitting on the couch reading a book together. It's the quintessential family: the mom, dad, and kid, and. So that's what Sam is doing. And Dean insists, like you said, on staying at Bobby's to make sure that if things go sideways, he's there to help. Well, as Dean is at the junkyard hanging out, uh, Karen pops up out of nowhere next to him. She tells him to come in for lunch. And he mentions that he doesn't think Bobby really wants him inside right now. And she's like, you know, whatever. It's our little secret. Come inside. She's got a pie waiting for him. And then when we get inside, we realize that there are a lot of pies. Holy shit. Yeah like covering every counter in the kitchen, pie after pie. And she mentions that she ever since she got back, she can't stop baking. And I think Dean mentioned something about, well, when do you sleep? And she says she doesn't. She tells Dean that she knows what they are, that she knows that her husband isn't the guy he used to be and that they hunt things and that she's a thing. She knows she's very aware of what's going on. And she reveals that she actually does, in fact, remember everything. She does remember being possessed by the demon. She does remember Bobby had to kill her. And she's, like, on board with it. She's like, he had to do it. Like, he had to, I know, I I understand that. So they're having their little chit-chat, and then it switches to Sam. And he is at the Joneses' house. Apparently, this Ezra Jones was somebody on the list. Or not, it wasn't actually Ezra. I guess it's his wife that was on the list. And nobody's answering the door, but he does see some blood on the porch. So he breaks in, naturally. Mm-hmm. He hears a woman coughing, and he finds this lady on, I guess, it was a bed or a couch. I don't know. But she's not looking good. She looks like she's kind of rotting. The whole place wasn't looking like it was great. True. It was a mess. I, I pointed out that, well, this zombie did not come back to the house to cook and clean like Karen did. Right. No, not at all. Not at all. She did not give a fuck. <laughs> uh-uh. And she's disgusting. She's yeah. like Ugh. rotting on her face. She's coughing, but like a foamy spit coming mm-hmm. out of her mouth. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to say, supposedly trying to say something. And she keeps motioning for Sam to come closer. And Sam's so sweet. He's like, "Can you just tell me from over there? <laughs> like, I don't want to get close to you." 
And she's just like shakes her head no, keeps telling him like with her hand to come over. And of course he gets, you know, gets his ear up close to her. I thought she was going to just like jump up and try to bite him, bite his ear or something. But no, she throws him across the room. Mm -hmm. And where he lands, we see next to him is the body of, I'm assuming Ezra. And he's bloody. His stomach's been eaten. Yeah. It's gross. Wasn't the grossest thing though. True. So she's on top of Sam. <laughs> and she is slobbering all Get over him. him. Like, Get him off. Get him off. <laughs> and it's not even slobber. It's like, what did you say it was? I said it looked like semen or buttercream frosting right, or right. some sort of concoction right. composed of the two. Like the, like, I was thinking like the, what's on top of cinnamon rolls when yeah. it's melted. Icing. Yes. Yes. It was just so gross. And it was so thick and it was going all over Sam's face. We were like, what is that? Ugh. It did not look like drool. It did not look like snot. Like, I, what was it supposed I, to be? I don't know. Ooh. I don't like to think about it. Okay. Thankfully, uh, Sam got the gun from his butt and shot her in her mouth and took care of her. And they asked him out. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Yikes. Don't do that. That's, don't do that. No, that's not good. So they go back. So he goes, gets Dean. They go back to Bobby's and they. They're like, what's up with this Jones lady? And Bobby reveals that she was the first one to rise. So now we're seeing the effects of the first one. What's going to happen with everybody else? Bobby doesn't care. He tells them to get off his property. He'll take care of Karen if he needs to, if the time comes. Like, you get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> Dean is still, of course, very worried about leaving Bobby with Karen. Which, I mean... Who even though mm-hmm. even though he's in his wheelchair, I feel like I feel like Bobby would handle himself. He would he's gonna do in the end what needs to be the done. The right thing. Yeah. yeah. And, but and I mean like I, I can't blame him to want a little bit more time if they if he has some, you know. With that being said, I also can't blame Dean for not necessarily trusting Bobby's judgment right, right now. Right, yeah. True, true. You know, his judgment is clouded. Right. I understand why Dean is wanting to be there to back him up. Right. I mean he leaves and it did kind of hurt my heart whenever Bobby was saying, like, Karen, stay away from the windows. Like, he was worried that Dean was going to, like, sharpshooter her. Like, right. Which I don't think Dean would have done that. I think he really just wanted to be there to back up mm-hmm. just in case. Yeah. So after they leave, Dean does end up going back. But Sam goes to town and he's like, <laughs> he's trying to get Dean to be like, like, I think Bobby's fine. Like, we have other things we need to do, you know. And Dean's not having it. And Sam's like, okay, well, I guess I'll just go uh, rescue everybody in town on my own. And Dean's just like, yep. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. You got that. So then we are at Miss uh, Sheriff Jody Mills' house. Sam went there because uh, he figured she she would be able to help. Or he was hoping that she would help him. Well, I don't think he's there yet, is he? Because well, her son's yet. sick. Yeah. yeah, not yet, but he's going. <laughs> yeah, so Jody's son is sick. He's got a high fever and he's talking about how he's real hungry so it's not looking good for the mills house here Mm -hmm. it switches back to bobby's and that's when he's telling her to stay away from the windows and then he hears her she falls i think in the kitchen and she's hot too she's coughing so things are shit's shit's hitting the fan now and then it bounces back to the Mills house. I think she there was some noise, and so she goes into the living room and where the little boy was laying, his, his blanket has blood on it. And then she follows this whole huge trail of blood from her, her a lot of blood around to the back of yeah. the couch. 
and finds her son just munching away on his dad, her, her husband. She's horrified, and the boy like gets up from ch- chowing down on on the guy, and he's got his intestines in his hands and is oh. walking over to his mom for his next snack. But that's when Sam arrives and like just rushes her out of the house, which I was like, the kid is mobile. I'm pretty sure he could come out there and like open the door and come right where you guys are standing in the front yard. I, I assumed he just turned around and went back to... I'm sure that's probably what he did. But. Yeah, went back to daddy. Ugh. Well, anyway, Sam explains what's going on and that they need to get everybody in town. They need weapons. Like, they've, they've got to take care of this. And I liked she asked how they how to, how to you put them down, and Sam, Sam's like, headshot. And Sam goes in and kills the child. It's a little disturbing. And then we go back to Bobby's. It's not looking good. Karen herself says that she can feel herself turning. He's got her laid out in a bed, and she looks over on, like, the nightstand or another table, and the gun's sitting there. She finally tells Bobby that she does remember. She does remember being possessed. She does remember that he killed her. And she's like, you know, you're going to, you need to do it. And he's like, I can't do it. I can't do it again. I already did it once. And she mentions that when she came back, there was a man, a thin man, almost like a skeleton, and that he specifically had a, a message for Bobby. She says, you know, I didn't tell you because, you know, you already got so much going on and I just wanted to see you smile. And she, she, I think she had mentioned in the beginning, like it was her job to bring him peace and just make him happy. So then we see Dean coming in through the front door and we do hear a gunshot and he goes in there and Bobby's holding her hand and he's shot her in the head. Mm-hmm. He took, he did what he needed to do. Then it switches to the jail and all the townspeople are in there that aren't from the dead, that are there very much alive. And they're gathered. They're uh, Sam and the sheriff are handing out weapons. And I, I can't remember what the guy said, but he said something about Bobby being the town drunk. Well, he asked Sam, like, who are you? Why should we be listening to you? Because Sam was the one kind of giving them orders as to what to do. And that's when Sam said, well, I'm a friend of Bobby Singer's. And the guy was like, oh, the town drunk? The sheriff said something earlier about Bobby Singer having a bunch of drunken disorderlies. She said he was a menace. A menace, drunken disorderlies and all that. Yeah, Bobby hasn't been handling the apocalypse too well, Mm -mm. which we already have seen signs of that in past episodes. So it stands up. Yeah. But I liked that the guy was like, Sam was like, no, I thought Digger was the town drunk. And the guy's like, well, who told you that? And it's like, oh, Bobby did. Bobby. Okay. (laughs) It's all coming together. Back at the at Bobby's, they are getting their guns into a van to go get go into town or go find everybody else and you know take care of them. And Dean offers to Bobby, he's like, you know, if you want to sit this one out, you know, go go ahead. But we know Bobby's not going to do that. And as they are gathering things, they start to hear some commotion around some of the cars. Dean leaves Bobby just in the open. <laughs> I mean, he's got a gun, but still. Trusts Bobby to take care of himself in this situation, right. but not with the zombie wife. And for some reason, all these zombies have just, like, congregated on the junkyard. Clay comes, I think it's Clay, comes out of nowhere from behind and attacks Dean again. They str- they struggle, and then, but, of course, Dean shoots him. I think Bobby takes out, like, three or four of them that just come running for him. I was about to say, most of them were there for Bobby. Yeah. Like, it was clear. Yeah. And we find out why a little later. Bobby gets knocked out of his chair. I mean, luckily Dean's back by now and shoots the guy that's on top of him. He's wheeling Bobby to get away from all these people. And even though they're all their ammo's in the truck mm-hmm. or in the van or whatever. So they go back in the house. 
They have nothing, no, no ammo, nothing to do. So they decide to lock themselves in the closet. Yeah. And all the zombies are beating on the door. So I think Dean mentioned something about they're stupid. They're not going to figure out how to, op- you know, open a lock and open a door. But of course, right after he says that, they start to unlatch the door yeah. and turn turning the knob. It's like you've been talking with them this whole episode. They aren't just like walking around being like, oh, right. Like, they're like they were before they died. And Bobby's like, do you ever get tired of being wrong? And poor Dean's like, I'm just making it up as I go. I will say this. They didn't try to unlock and open the door until they heard Dean say that. So I think he actually gave them the idea that they were like, oh, yeah. Probably. <laughs> I don't even know why they they put themselves in the closet. It was a real dumb idea. But Dean opens the door and just starts headbutting all, everybody with the butt of the gun to get them out of the way. But... Sheriff and Sam show up and save the day and take all the zombies out. After this, we find Sam uh, isn't, I guess, I th- was at the cemetery? Were they at the cemetery? Okay, yeah. So he's at the cemetery and there's a big burning pyre, pier, pyre, 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 pyre. I think. And all, they have all the bodies wrapped there, burning them. Sam's real sweet. You know, the sheriff shows up with Dean and he asks, you know, how she's holding up and she can't even answer him. Right. Rightfully so. She mm-hmm. just lost her son again and her husband. Mm-hmm. Poor woman. Dean asks if that's everybody, and Sam says uh, everyone but one. And we're back at the junkyard, and Bobby is burning Karen on at the yard away from all the other ones. The guys show up, and he says that he, I guess he has to apologize to them for losing his head back there with Karen and everything. And I think it's Sam that says, you don't have to apologize. You got four days with her, you know, so that's something. But then Bobby's like, yeah, but that makes it a thousand times worse. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, how many times is he going to have to fucking kill her? Yeah. And he then he that's when he mentions to the boys that death came back. And when he came back, he came for Bobby. He brought Karen back specifically to send him a message because he's been helping the boys so much. You know, he's been big on like no you're not going to be the vessel not going to happen and they don't like that so they sent this message to and bobby mentions like i don't know if they came to take my life or just to take my spirit yeah and sam asks him if he's going to be all right and bobby doesn't answer and then that's it can you blame him knowing that i know the freaking angel of death is out to get you yeah fuck this episode was sad yeah, they, but the last two have been kind of mm-hmm. depressing. Very depressing episodes, these last two. Uh, this one was written by Jeremy Carver, who also wrote Free to Be You and Me earlier this season, as well as Changing Channels. And this was first of many episodes directed by John F. Showalter. So, Gore, we were trying to decide if this episode had a blood splooge in it, uh, particularly whenever Sam... And Jody come in and start taking out the zombies. But I feel like because there were so many, we just it just kind of voided everything out. We couldn't even really pick one out of the bunch to be like, oh, that's a blood splooge. Yeah. So we've decided to void it out for blood splooge for this one, even though technically there were several there. We can't pick one to point out. I don't, And we aren't going to go through and count them. <laughs> Sorry, we're just not going to do that. So that was pretty gory. And also... I did think it was interesting. There was a shot. I can't remember if it was Sam or Jody, uh, where they shot and the blood splooged onto the camera. And I wonder why they did that. Yeah. Because that was CGI. So that was intentional. I guess just the director wanted to do that. I guess so. I didn't mind it. 
I didn't mind it either. I just was curious if there was a reason behind it. No. Not that not, not that either he or I will ever know that unless they cover it on Supernatural then and now. But I would say the goriest thing was the Ezra Jones scene and Jody Mills' son. Yeah. Those two were just oh, so disturbing and gross. I mean, the little kid just creepily walking, just like dragging the intestine. And I still don't understand what that icing stuff was supposed to be coming out of that one zombie and onto Sam's face. Adore. Was there anything you adored about this episode? I like how protective Dean was about Bobby, how -hmm. worried he was about him. I thought that was sweet. I adored seeing Bobby get all cleaned up. Yeah. And being so sentimental. And I adored Sheriff Jody Mills. I know her from other later episodes, uh, but I obviously have never seen the episode where she was introduced. I will say at the end of the episode, I wouldn't have gotten the feeling that she would have been a character to come back. Yeah. Uh, but we know that she will. And I like I liked her character. She's a very like no shit person right off the bat. So I, I liked I liked uh, Jody Mills as well. Yeah. All right. So lore. We already looked into zombies back in, I think it was season two, with children don't play with dead things. And based off of this definition, I thought that revenant was more applicable to today's episode. In folklore, a revenant is an animated corpse that is believed to have been revived from death to haunt the living. Revenants are part of the legend of various cultures, including Old Irish Celtic and Norse mythology, and stories of supposed revenant visitations were documented by English historians in the Middle Ages. The term revenant has been used interchangeably with ghost by folklorists. While some maintain that vampires derive from Eastern European folklore and revenants derive from Western European folklore, many assert that revenant is a generic term for the undead. Augustine Calmet, I don't know if I said that right. We're going to run with it, though. Conducted extensive research on the topic in his work titled Treaties on the Apparitions of Spirits and on Vampires or Revenants of Hungary, Moravia et al. Is that how you say that? Sure. In 1751, in which he relates the rumors of men at the time. Calmet compares the ideas of the Greek and Egyptian ancients and notes an old belief that magic could not only cause death, but also evoke the souls of the deceased as well. Calmet ascribed revenants to sorcerers who sucked the blood of victims and compares instances of revenants mentioned in the 12th century in England and Denmark as similar to those of Hungary, but, quote, In no history do we read anything so unusual or so pronounced as what is related to us of the vampires of Poland, Hungary, and Moravia. So in a section titled Selected Stories, we have a tale from William Newber. Is that how you would say that? Newber. Yeah. Belief in souls returning from the dead was common in the 12th century. William wrote that were I to write down all the instances of this kind which I have ascertained to be fallen on our times, the undertaking would be beyond measure, laborious, and troublesome. According to William, it would not be easy to believe that the corpses of the dead should sally, I know not by what agency, from their graves, and should wander about to the terror or destruction of the living, and again return to the tomb, 
which of its own accord spontaneously opened to receive them, did not frequent examples, occurring in our own times, suffice to establish this fact to the truth of which there is abundant testimony. So William said this shit went down a lot. There were revenants everywhere, girl. I guess so. So many, it would just be too big a pain in the ass for him to write down all of the accounts. (laughs) One story involves a man of evil conduct, absconding from justice, who fled from York and made the ill-fated choice to get married. (gasps) Becoming jealous of his wife, he hid in the rafters of his bedroom and caught her in an act of infidelity with a young local man but then accidentally fell to the floor, mortally wounding himself, and died a few days later. Damn. As Newborough describes, a Christian burial, indeed, he received, though unworthy of it, but it did not much benefit him, for issuing by the handiwork of Satan from his grave at nighttime, and pursued by a pack of dogs with horrible barkings, he wandered through the courts and around the houses while all men made fast their doors and did not dare to go abroad on any errand, whatever from the beginning of the night until the sunrise for fear of meeting and being beaten black and blue by this vagrant monster. So that's one story that was worth his time to write down. He said a number of townspeople were killed by the monster. And so Thereupon snatching up a spade of but indifferent sharpness of edge and hastening to the cemetery, they began to dig. And whilst they were thinking that they would have to dig to a greater depth, they suddenly, before much of the earth had been removed, laid bare the corpse, swollen to an enormous corpulence with its countenance beyond measure, turgid and suffused with blood, while the napkin in which it had been wrapped, napkin, appeared (laughs) nearly torn to pieces. The young men, however, spurred on by wrath, feared not, and inflicted a wound upon the senseless carcass, out of which incontinentally flowed such a stream of blood that it might have been taken for a leech filled with the blood of many persons. Then, dragging it beyond the village, they speedily constructed a funeral pile, and upon one of them saying that the pestilential body would not burn unless its heart were torn out, the other laid opened its sides by repeated blows with the blunted spade, and thrusting in his hand, dragged out the accused, accursed heart, this being torn piecemeal and the body now consigned to the flames. That's how it happened. <laughs> but anyway, I just kind of figured, like, because Bobby's wife was cremated and was ashes buried in the cemetery, and yet she still came back to life, that Revenant made more sense than zombies, your, your classic zombie. So I looked into Revenants yeah. instead makes sense there's a little bit more on the wiki page but that's what i got on revenants nice uh quote to close it out from uh dean and digger when they're at the diner and dean says digger who gave you that name digger says i did and dean says you gave yourself your own nickname you can't do that digger said who died and made you queen (laughs) Cheers. cheers 
thank you for listening to Denim Wrapped Nightmares. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram, leave a review, and let us know how we can get involved in the fandom. This was fun. Jerk. It always is, bitch. <laughs> <laughs>